Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Lady Chow Fung and Kenny, and we're going to talk today about Dragon Inn, a 1967 film directed by King Hu. This film won the 1968 Golden Horse for Best Screenplay. Uh, the plot is really simple. Heroes must save members of the Yu family from agents of Eastern Bureau at the Dragon Inn. There's a little more to it than that, but basically uh, the children of General Yu are sent to Dragon Gate Outpost and uh, the eunuch that leads Eastern Bureau wants to have them killed and sends his agents to do so and a bunch of heroes try to prevent this from happening and bring them to safety. So why don't we just get into initial oppressions first? What did you guys think of this movie overall? For the first third of the movie, I thought it was, oh, this is really good. <laughs> but then, like... It's, I started thinking, oh, actually, no, this is actually just really dragging out. I feel like by the time it was sort of like two-thirds of the way through, I was expecting the movie to be done by that point, uh-huh. kind of. And not saying I didn't enjoy it, it was towing the fine line between two, uh, two drawn out and, and having things happen. I mean, I, I think the plot itself was quite um, compelling. Um, the actors did a pretty good job there the fight scenes i think were a bit kooky um, yeah we we should definitely talk about the fight scenes on their own because i think that would that'll warrant a whole discussion but go on yeah I'm sorry yeah so I, I wouldn't watch this for hey I, I wouldn't watch watch this for the choreography in my opinion but um and i wouldn't show this to a newbie to the genre either but if you're a fan of Bouchard, then you, you can watch this and enjoy it just expect expect it to be longer than you would think it might be. <laughs> Lady Chalfung? Um, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about this movie. I'm I'm kind of on the fence because I there are some factors on the outside. I was kind of distracted at the beginning, so I missed some points. Um, but I, for me, it was just too slow of a pace, especially with the fight scenes, and we'll talk about that um, later. I did like the plot. I like the actor, actors. I think they did a really good job. It's just that I think the pacing was too slow for me, and so I was not as into it as I was like into Come Drink With Me. That, mm. I think, is probably my favorite movie so far from like the, that time period. Yeah, and this is and this is like a this is 1967, so it is from that same sort of period. Um, obviously, my my opinion is different, or I wouldn't have recommended the movie. But I I enjoy this movie. I understand why people find it slow, though. So I can I can appreciate that uh, it's not for everybody, and it's one of those films that it it's it, it number one it's a, it's a slower movie, and it it's kind of hard to get your hands on a good quality version of it they just put out a restored version but when those two come together it's even more grueling to watch for some people um but i think that uh the pacing is an issue for some folks uh i i like the pacing of this movie i like the uh, with the fights uh, when we when we talk about it i'll get into it but i like it for a particular reason and i like the sort of the whole movie is a series of standoffs at the at the end whether they're whether they're actual standoffs that lead to a fight or a standoff that leads to something else and so it's kind of like a it's kind of like a western in that respect but it's got sort of that peking opera sort of rhythm behind it and and i don't know i I enjoy i enjoy the location i enjoy the uh i enjoy the way that it's filmed it's got the 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 way that this movie is filmed the way that people come into view in the camera that stuff all looks really great the way that the um, you know, the way that the, the actors are costumed and that the way that they present themselves is all very striking. Um, and I like sort of the, uh, you know, the, the whole in location, but th- you know, again, everybody is going to have very different opinions on this movie, I think. Um, so what, uh, what, what were some of the issues since we said we were going to talk about the fighting, what were some of the issues you guys had with the fight sequences? For, for me, it was just really light. The the the, the sword play was light. The, the punches and kicks were light. There was no weight to anything it looked like. And, and uh, I mean, like 
I, I wouldn't really expect like super um, special effects and CG and stuff like that. But at the same time, like it, uh, there was so little contact, it felt like that. It didn't. It, it just threw me out of the fight scenes completely. Okay. I agree with um, Kenny on the punches and the everything just seeming so light and not like hitting its mark. And I guess I'm just so used to seeing the actual bloodshed that it was difficult for me to even think that the person was dead if there really wasn't a lot of blood. Um, also, I thought that there was a lot of posing and prancing, uh, dancing around. I know that it builds tension, but I didn't think it was necessary for every fight that um, went on. Yeah, th- this is like the opposite of Cheng Che style violence. Like that yes. is very sort of I stab you in the neck and you see the sword go in and you know I'm lying on the ground in a pool of blood. And this is this is more dance like. It's also I think it definitely is more derived directly from the Peking opera style. Of course, so you kind of get that thing where people are moving around each other to the rhythm of the drum, and you know you have the drum and the cymbals going, and that kind of is supposed to lead your brain to know what's happening next and what you know how 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 much what state of suspense you should be in. But uh, what I liked about it is I like that there's a focus on the tactics of movement in the fights, and so. If you watch the fight sequences, the characters are frequently moving into position. And it looks like if you ever watch like a boxing match or anything like that, where the, where people are moving around each other and kind of getting into position to, to sort of figure out what the other guy can do and maybe throw a feint or something, but nobody's really committing yet. It's that kind of a, um, it's that kind of an interplay. And I feel like it works because the whole, the whole point of a lot of the interactions is you don't really know how powerful the other guy is yet. And they're trying to figure that out. And, and so that's why you have so many of these little standoffs throughout the movie. Um, but I'm sorry, Kenny, it looked like you wanted to jump in there. Yeah. I was just going to say something about these, sort of the positioning of people and the stances. I, I don't know. Maybe my expectations are a bit too high, but it looked like these are very amateurish fighters all around because I, I you can see openings everywhere and people not reacting when they should react, and it's just like, well, well, I, maybe it's a, this is on. early. This is, I mean, this is very early in like the new Wuxia movement, and so I think number one, some of the actors might not be as adept yet, but also the style hasn't really been brought to the point that it's gonna be in in like five years. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's still it's still early and and this is a particular kind of fight choreography that that is you know king who he's not interested in real fighting as much as like a guy like cheng che or or lao kar lung for example you know the, the, he he's much more interested in sort of the dramatics of the fight and the um and the elegance of the movement and so but even so i think if you look at what cuz i was trying to pay attention to what like Polly Kwan was doing during the fights if you look at her feet when she's moving that footwork is very precise that's not like she's not just moving around randomly so i think her focus and her direction from the fight choreographer was largely about uh foot movement and you can see it like like it's 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 hard it's hard i don't really have a i'm not equipped with the language to discuss it but like i just know from my own martial arts experience that kind of movement where you can see the way that she's moving her feet into position and that every step is important to get you know it's it's not just i'm walking over there or i'm running over there it's this foot has to be into position so the foot here can get into the next position i i feel like there was attention to that detail so I'm thinking that the, that might have been what the fight choreographer was focusing on. That that and if you you know there were these moments when uh, like Polly Kwan has a moment where she stabs somebody and she gets up on one leg and she st- and it's like a real stance that that I've seen uh, in in um, in Chinese sword forms. And so I think that you know you still get some of that, but it's just not it's not it's not anywhere near where things become over the course of the '70s. And and because King Hu has a really uh, like you said, like a really a, a style that emphasizes pacing and sort of people kind of, you know, sort of it's it's almost it's almost like a the best thing I can compare it to is like a standoff in a western or a Jap- Japanese samurai movie where the, you just have this standoff and and 
all of it is really sort of like which guy is going to be more powerful when they actually clash and and so and i can appreciate the sort of the more realistic and gritty ish um sort of fighting here in that um when people take a hit they should go down type of thing but the lack of blood and the lack of impact draws me out so it, it's that co- it's conflicting with each other in my opinion and uh, you, you're trying to show these people who are very cautious because you know swords and cut and cutlasses or dowels in this case are like uh, are dangerous things and that a, a cut in the wrong place and just taking out of the fight completely right yeah. but at the same time there's no blood no impact to the wounds i mean towards the end when we see the um the eunuch fighting against the the, the four uh, heroes shall we say um you know the eunuch cuts them multiple times but nothing happens to them but um some of some of the other unnamed or less named characters get cut lightly a couple of times and they go down so what's the dif- difference there you know uh, how can you how are you supposed to tell whether a wound is supposed to be lethal or not well i think I think there it's just that a wound that would have been lethal to those guys was not lethal to the more powerful characters. Um, but I don't know. But it's, it's just like it's one of those things where no, it's like, well, in that case, it shouldn't be framed as a sort of gritty, realistic, being very careful of taking wounds. Well, it's it's no, thing. it's not. It's not gritty and realistic. I think what it is is it's focusing on the drama of having two characters who are facing off, and you don't know which character is more powerful yet until they actually fight. Um, but I think it's taking a lot of liberties with, you know, the plausibility of movement. And uh, um, I just think that the footwork seemed to be where a lot of the focus was on. If I found that I found that if I was paying attention to the footwork, I was rewarded as a viewer. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like, I, I was getting something out of that. Um, whereas if I was just focused on the upper body, it looked like a lot wasn't going on as so I, I i think that there was just attention to the footwork here um but i don't think it was intended to be like a realistic portrayal i don't know i, I feel like it was supposed to be like realistic in that all the characters are very wary of taking damage like you're very aware when someone gets hurt because they take a moment to like touch their wound or well, like look at their i think well so i think it was definitely gritty in that sense i think it was Lethal. So it was gritty but unrealistic. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was gritty but stylized. Like, okay. um, well, because we, I don't know. I guess we could we could debate it or we could discuss it because because on the one hand, what you guys were saying was that the 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 attacks felt too light, like they weren't landing, and so I read that as kind of like it's not really like a you know not nothing feels like it's solidly connecting. So that uh, so that's I don't know I don't know. Uh, I, I, I tend to think of this as I don't think King Hu is concerned about realistic fights and having people do things that they would actually do in real fights. I think he's concerned about violence having consequences. Um, and it's also the case of making opera as well. You don't get the heavy hits. It's mm-hmm. always of light brushing across and then um, one guy falling over now, or that type of thing. And, now, here's a question. Do you think a sound effect would have helped with that? Like, you know, in a lot of these fights, there's like standard effects that you get when somebody gets cut. And you hear like you hear like the ripping of the, of the muscle. And the. Uh, do you think if they just added in sound effects like that, it would have had a different effect? Or do you think it was visually not working as well for you? Both. Okay. I, I think I think adding in the sound effects, better sound effects would have helped. Mm-hmm. And if, but visually, it would still have been a little bit weird in that you, you you sort of see the movement, which doesn't quite connect, and then you hear like a very impressive sounding slash, and then you'd be like, "Whoa!" Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I I feel like it was. I don't know, for lack of a better word, I feel like it's kind of like a heightened sense of reality. Do you know what I mean? It's like that kind of a thing where um, I think the I think the focus is uh, the consequence that violence has in this world, and uh, the um, and like you're saying, the fact that you know they're reluctant to just like rush up at each other because they know that they could be killed. Um, but how that sort of plays out on screen, it feels much more like it's off of a stage than. Uh, than on a battlefield. Um, so I'm sorry, Lady Chaufong, did, did you want to weigh in? It looked like you wanted to say something. but I guess I don't really have a problem with all of that. I just think that 
he needed to pick and choose which fights he was going to do that with and not have it with every combatant. Because to me, it felt like even the lesser-known people were actually doing the stylized fighting, which I thought was unnecessary. Because if you're going to draw the point that we're trying to figure out how powerful each person is, you know that the people that are underlings pretty much are not that powerful. So just go ahead and attack them and get them out of the way. When it comes down to the, you know, the big four heroes and then the eunuch and his uh, two generals, then there's a difference. And their fights, I think, should have been stylized and were pretty good. But when you come down to them taking on the individual um, underlings, then I don't think you need to have all the posturing and everything. Because, I don't know, to me, there's already a difference in who is more powerful in that dynamic. Okay, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I, I would still say it's, you know, still lethal, so there's some explanation there. But I think I, I think that these are reasonable criticisms um what uh what did you guys think of the inn itself as a location and some of the stuff that happened there uh in terms of the the dramatics that played out between the people uh when uh when uh, uh the protagonist uh zhao shi uh first shows up for example i think god that's a desolate place yeah, it's well. It's supposed who, to be. That's, uh, who, who had who had a smart idea to uh, open an inn in the middle of freaking desert? Basically, well, I think because it's a there's a military outpost there, and yeah. uh, because it's on the border, they you know they, they figure people will be passing through, and so. But it is kind How of an do you odd. Find it? Like it, there, there are no roads there. Like uh, inns, I anyway, to, to my mind well, should be at the roadside, you know, where people com- wait, commonly transverse, but this is just flat land with an inn in the middle of nowhere. Wait till you get to New Dragon Gate Inn and Flying Swords of Dragon, because it just gets progressively more isolated. Like, like, at least in this one, there's foliage, there's, like, greenery, that, like, you can see where people are getting water, but, uh, but, but in the, in the later movies, it gets even more sort of, uh, isolated and arid. But I think it's I think it's meant to create a sense of the characters being on their own and away from civilization. Um, so I think I think it was done for that reason. But no, other than that sort of point, I I I, I, I really like the inn. I thought it was, yeah, it, it was shabby looking, of course, but it looked like it served its purpose, and I I feel like it. Um, yeah, you know, the, the sort of broken walls outside really added the character of the inn. But <laughs> at the same time, it was like, why would you? I mean, it kind of makes sense. Maybe it's a wind, like it's supposed to block wind or something, maybe. But it was just like it looked really run down and had a very sparing feel about it, which is kind of I, I guess I'll explain why you know General Yu's children and were being exiled to Dragon Gate because it's such a shitty area. Yeah, to be in. yeah it's not a pleasant place to be. It looks. Um, yeah. definitely not uh, no I thought the the inn was was charming I also thought it was too, probably too small for all the people that ended up showing up there like there would be a lot of people sleeping on the floor at night it didn't seem like it had enough well, rooms to house the people but I, I you it know did what's its funny purpose. I, I made a map inspired by this inn and so I took time to look at the inn and there are there are nooks and crannies where people can sleep that you don't realize because they look like they're like dining spots. Do you know what I mean? But they convert to like easy, easy places to sleep at night. So I, I don't know. I, I suspect you might be right. If you did the math, it might not work out, but I'd be curious if we could actually reconstruct the inn. Cause I'm parts of it. I'm clear on like, I like some of it. I can see where the rooms are. Some of them. I'm not so clear how many rooms there are. And so I, it's one of these locations I'd really like to get a, an actual map of one of these days. If like there's if somebody was on set actually drew out where everything is. But um, but I don't know. One of the things I liked about it, though, is to me, it looked like it looked like a real place. Like I never doubted that this was real. Like sometimes when they go from the outside to the inside, I feel like a jump and I didn't quite get I felt like a smooth transition going from the outside of the end to the inside. Um, 
So do you think this is like a, a, a set piece, or is it like actual constructed somewhere? I have they were just using... no idea. I have no idea how they did this. Um, not a clue. What, what, what's your information? It, it, it definitely looks like it was. They managed to find the the, the, the building somewhere in the middle of nowhere <laughs> to film at. So it's it's possible. I I, I don't know. Yeah, it looks like it was it was a real place that you could actually go to but knowing shaw brothers it might not have been it was probably built on their lot oh and i should say this wasn't a shaw brothers movie this oh right this was a um taiwan film so that's another i think that's another reason why it looks so different than some of the other like some of the other movies that we've done on here where uh you know this is this is when king who he he basically left i think before he even finished come drink with me they actually had I, i i think uh that's not come drink with me is a King Who movie, but there are there. It's not all King Who. There's other other minds at work on that one, and so this is like you know, this is like a real King Who movie where King Who is present from beginning to end. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm sorry, I kind of interrupted you there. Um, but but what, what what were you saying? It just it looks like like it was set out in the middle of nowhere, like no man's land, like it was an actual real place except for the roads even i think in a real place even if it was that desolate it would might have a road but um yeah it did look look like it was an actual place that maybe they just kicked the people out and said can we use this place for a little bit well what's funny is there's like no road going up to the inn but there's like a road all up the mountain (laughs) like like a proper road um so and I feel I feel like they just put dirt over the uh, over the pavement on those scenes, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, you, you, I, I think I think there would be a road too or or something. Um, but uh, one of the things I liked early on in the movie is the the poisoning scenes where uh, where Zhao Zi uh, arrives and uh, you know he orders his lamb noodle and one of the one of the agents tries to slip poison into his wine and oh go ahead it looks like you were going to say something kenny or did i, I was just say those lamb noodles are quite dry but continue oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well in its defense it's like a 50 year old bowl of noodles at this point but uh <laughs> but yeah I, you know what's funny though it looked terrible but delicious at the same time like in the context of i'm a guy that's been on the road and i'm I'm at this inn in the middle of nowhere. I think I would have. Uh, I think I would have devoured those noodles. But where did they get the lamb from? Where, where did they get the supplies from? To be honest, that was another thing. Was just like... <laughs> That's some of the. When we get to the other movies, you'll see some of the, the fun that they can have with that. But he was uh, like, "Where is the closest town to get anything?" Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what the well, closest town. They mentioned the boss was away at town, and he was like away for days so. well and then he's just like waiting outside like 10 feet away when when, when he goes out to, to find him but uh but i liked how you know in normally in wuxia movies the hero always he just knows he's somebody's poisoning him like there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it it's just like he's so good he can just tell without the audience knowing that something's been poisoned but in this case there's obvious there are obvious things going on that 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 lead him to believe he's about to be poisoned and and you know it's mainly that waiter that is you know like freaking out before, every time he goes to drink his yeah, wine. don't do it don't yeah. do it uh yeah and, let me keep my mouth shut so i don't get killed i like the waiter no the waiter was charming but then later when polly kwan and her brother show up there uh you know she he sends her a note and that's how she knows the wine is poisoned so there's like a clear explanation for why these people are suspicious of the wine in the first place. Um, I just kind of like that that details in there. Um, but, but yeah, I'm sorry. So what, what did you think of the, of that whole situation at the end when he first gets there? I think that that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie, actually. So when he gets there, there's a lot of tension building that you can sort of see in the faces of all the characters they're all like really wary and they're all really tense and you get the feeling that something you know it, it's gonna blow up soon type of thing mm. um 
and you know uh, that that's like why I said that the first third of the movie was really good because there was a scene like that where the tension was just building and building and and then like you get released bit by bit when you know when there are little miniature conflicts and I I, I, re- I really like this I really yeah I really like the scene where he, he first approaches the the end. And uh, and I like the the way that it's dealt with. Like he like you have these subordinates of the unit. You don't the eunuch is kind of he's again he's sort of this threat. Like we were talking about Lee Mochu before. He's looming over the whole thing, but he never actually he never really gets into into it with them until the very end. And 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 so before that happens, you have uh, Pi Shao and uh, Mao Zhong uh, as his subordinates. And they both have very different approaches to to how they deal with things, and and it's interesting. Sort of the they all kind of know, like like they're they're going to the inn, and they basically are going there to 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 intercept the Yu family members and then kill them. And anybody that arrives is a complication. So uh, Xiaoxi is a complication. He's uh you know he's somebody that they want to get rid of, but they realize how powerful he is. And it's interesting that you know at first the agents try poisoning him, and then he ends up you know, turning that on the guy and poisoning him. And, and then the, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the subordinates come into it and you end up getting a much softer approach when, uh, P. Shao, who's kind of like a mirror to, uh, to the Shao Xi character. He, he's, he tries to sort of softly, uh, remove him from the inn and, and basically, you know, gives him a little bit of enough of the truth that he can sort of shuffle him off. And, and so I like sort of the, the fact that everybody, there's a certain degree of politeness they all have with each other, even though they know that they're all about to potentially come to blows at any minute. I like the dynamic of the two um, subordinates. I thought that having one be the more gentler and obviously the more smarter it's kind of like a balance. The other one is more of a hothead, tempered, and just kill them all right away kind of person. Um, that created a nice balance. I think it would have been too much if they had had two characters that were exactly the same. And the smarter one te- tends to live the longest, I guess, because he has a, a plan and a plot in his head, but the other one's just going to bowl right through every single problem that happens. So I think that's a, a nice balance to have one on each end. And he gets a, a sword through the door frame, um, which was nice because that kind of ties in with the way that um, one of the characters was killed in uh, uh, Reign of Assassins that we did uh, last week where the guy got stabbed through the the, uh, the table. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, I... Uh, I, I also just like the way... I don't know. I, I like sort of the way that it's kind of like... It's really just a bunch of people... It's like the most uncomfortable time you could have at an inn. Do you know what I mean? It's just like... It's 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 like... <laughs> so like they... This guy... They, they talk him out of, out of staying at the end. And he, he says he's there to meet the owner anyways. And the owner's gone. But he leaves and he finds the owner and he comes right back. And they basically sort of agree to... To, to, to be in the in the in, in with him without without trouble and then uh the the brother and sister show up um and we're a little unclear on what their names are exactly i think it's chu chi is the brother and chu hui is the sister and uh and and the brother just they're trying to they're trying to bolt the doors and he kicks them open and uh it's kind of storming out and and uh and and then they have to, and then they sort of do the same thing where they have this standoff with the brother and sister, but it's a very different situation because the brother's kind of aggressive and stupid and the sister, she's disguised as a man, but she's clearly a woman. Uh, yeah, I like, wanted to ask if, if he was actually attempting to be disguised. As, yeah, that uh, was as disguise. It was disguised because okay. there's a couple of points where somebody mentioned the, uh, the Shao Xi character, uh, when they bump into each other in the middle of the night, he's like, oh, you're a woman. And, and so, you know, it's he clearly didn't think she was before that. Um, okay. But, uh, but they have a whole, they have, they have dinner with the bad guys and they're sitting there with the, with the agents from the Eastern Bureau and the, the agents are trying to poison them. And Polly Kwan's character, Chu Hui is, she keeps bumping her brother's wine cup so he can't 
drink the wine. And uh, I don't know, it was a fun sort of scene. Um, yeah, I thought that scene was great. Um, it took a little levity in the movie. Um, I thought the the waiter played his part really well in the first scene where, you know, he's, the hero is trying to be, is about to be poisoned. I just, um, I lost my train of thought. That's See? okay. That's okay. I'm well, back to that. Well, what did you guys, what did you guys think? I thought that the, the, that once the brother and sister show up, it almost felt like King Who was trying to redo parts of Come Drink With Me because you have that whole sequence at night where there's like the 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 two subordinates sort of try to turn the brother and sister against uh Shaosu and uh uh by atta- attacking each room and and it and it leads to a scuffle between Chuchi and Shaosu and uh and then and then Chuchi ends up outside and he has to knock on the door and come in just like Cheng Pepe did and come drink with me so i feel like i don't know if that was like I don't know if that was like his way of getting back at Shaw Brothers in some way, or if he was just trying to sort of go over the same <laughs> ground. But but it was just too. It just seemed too similar to to ignore. Um, and also, I'm pretty sure Polly Kwan's character was originally going to be played by Cheng Pei Pei. That's something that I've heard. I think I think Cheng Pei Pei mentioned that in the Come Drink with Me DVD commentary, but I I could be mistaken. Um, and she and I think she even said that's why Polly Kwan's outfit looks a little too big, because uh, because I think it might have been the same, the same uniform that was intended for her. Is uh, that also why there's so much focus on the footwork then? I don't know, maybe, maybe, but that, but but I thought because I, I thought that because when I was looking at her footwork in it, I felt like it was similar in style to uh, to a lot, a lot of what you see with Chen Pepe, but. But yeah, I don't know. But then they have, um, then there's like a bunch of stuff that happens. Like it's just, you know, they, the, the both both groups go out to try to intercept the U family before the other can, and the U family arrives before any of them get back, and there's a tussle, and Chuchi goes to to save them, and and uh, and we get you know more and more developments like that until uh, uh, we find out that there's a, a, a general. At a nearby outpost, who um, who gets into a uh, jurisdiction uh, uh, conflict with the eunuch, who who is sort of this entire time is sort of arriving with his uh, uh, his retinue of people. And oh, about that, uh-huh. I just want to point out. I don't know if you noticed, but the umbrella holder was this useless person in the whole he, convoy. He was not actually getting. <laughs> Well, number one, I was thinking that's the most miserable job that you could possibly have because I don't think that uh, that the leader of Eastern Bureau is forgiving of mistakes um, based on what we saw of him, and and so 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 maybe he was just you know waiting until he really wanted the shade to put it over. I don't know what the deal was, but yeah, that was he was not giving he was not giving his master any shade. I think uh, from the. But sun. I was thinking like it sort of made sense from like a some like from a lighting point of view is that you don't really want the light to be carrying it's like in order for to film both the eunuch and the the, the umbrella holder the light would have to come from behind them yeah. and that always causes glare issues in the camera right so they have to find a film so that the light source is coming from behind the camera that, yeah. onto them which would mean that there's no way the umbrella can but, cast but even a shadow if, even it. if the light was though he was standing too far away to to give i don't think i don't think unless like the sun was like over here at an angle like I don't think there would have been a way for that positioning to work out in his favor. Maybe he secretly hated him and he was trying to slowly kill him with sunlight. I don't know. <laughs> Skin cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but either way, there's so you know there's this general who who uh, I think is more interesting in the second Dragon Gate movie in the '90s. But uh, but we but we have the uh, I think his name was Kui Yu Chung, um, and and he he gets into like a little bit of a tussle with the eunuch. Uh, and, and he eventually he relents is like, you know, and says, you know, well, let me see the Imperial order. And the eunuch takes out a box and there's a sword in it and he stabs him. And, you know, it's the second time in the movie that you have, that somebody pulls that trick by the way. But, uh, um, that's also how they killed the porters at the, uh, at the start of the film. Um, but, 
but then you know we we get we uh eventually the uh the you family ends up uh at the inn with the heroes and the heroes booby trap the inn and Oh, I gotta say, I love the I love the arrow movie traps there. It made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> like, like okay, so so the, what was the idea then? They had like ropes tied to the door so that when the door was bashed inwards, it would release the arrows. I think that was the idea, and they yeah. also had ropes set up so that when you walked in, you would set off the, um, you would set them off. That's that's not how short bows work. But okay. <laughs> But it was it, cool. But it was, it was cool, a fun but... scene. Yeah, it was an <laughs> yeah. interesting trap, but and so and so after you know, there's a series of battles around the inn. Then there's the traps. Then there's ultimately this this extended climax on the mountain as they're trying to escape with the the U family to safety, and the eunuch and his Extend, extended chasing. is the right word here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was more the longer of the scenes where I think it could have ended a lot and, and but, sooner. And then it, it and the finale is a big battle with um. With the with the main villain, Sao uh, uh, Shao Chin, I think his name is, and and uh, and and you know it's it, it his 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 flaw is he has asthma, so every once in a while during the fight, he he sort of starts to teeter and he has to get a pill from his men, and at one point it even costs one of his men their lives because he uh, he's sort of out of it for a few seconds while he's getting his pill and. The, the, the heroes use that opportunity to kill the subordinate, but um, uh, not not the subordinates that we've mentioned, but some other guy, and uh, and and I don't know. The, and the how, what did you guys think of the final battle with the eunuch? What's what, uh... hey, I just want to point out like, the, the subtitles were quite bad during this part as well because I picked up on a lot of wordplay in the Chinese audio. Um, in Mandarin, I didn't understand all of it, but there was lots of when he was jabbing. Um, but when the um, when Shao Shao Zhu was like making jabs at um, him being a eunuch, there was lots of words word plays there and like, referring to his kung fu as the virgin art and stuff like that, which I don't think was really <laughs> specified in the subtitles. Okay. Um, I mean, you could I, see I, I, his fate. He was definitely reacting to those taunts. Like that was actually yeah. the one time you feel bad for the guy is when he's being taunted and like he's kind of like like it looks like they're really like they're kind of hurting his feelings pretty badly. <laughs> uh, not not that like that you know overcomes all of his horrible deeds that he's committed over the course of the film, but. Um, yeah, it's just I yeah I I quite enjoyed the the verbal uh verbal taunting that went around there. What what one part I really liked about it was um, uh, he says um, I forget where the quote is. I had the quote written down somewhere here, but basically he's uh, the the eunuch tries to sort of scare him off with intimidation and and uh, and Chaozi says uh, he basically barks back at him like, "Don't try to scare me. I'm not one of your agents." And the way he barks that command right back at him is, I thought, pretty striking because Shao Tzu has been quiet. He's a really quiet guy the whole movie. And that's like the one time you see him like, like kind of have power in his voice in a way that's alarming and a little bit scary. Um, so I thought some of the dialogue exchanges like that were pretty, pretty interesting, um, as well as the taunts and things and things like that. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, but so, I'm sorry. Go on on. Uh, See, I missed the whole asthmatic part of the movie until you explained it. So I was really confused by the end, the, the final battle with him getting dizzy and being, you know, um, less formidable mm. than he had been. Um, that just confused me. I was like, how can a villain go downhill that quick? But the asthma... Uh, straighten that out for me if he didn't have asthma i don't think they would have won this fight because he's even when he's like asthmatic and like been stabbed and is clearly like going down he's still like he's like a wounded tiger like in the very final scene they stick a sword through him and he's still killing people or still wounding people at least and they have to chop his head off before he actually goes down permanently and i thought that was awesome that the tartar got to do that yeah, because he was because because he had him castrated, right? Or we don't know exactly. Uh-huh. They said sterilized in the 
in the subs, but I've always assumed it meant that he was, uh, you know, some 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 that he that he lost some kind of uh, he he you know, uh, I don't know exactly what he lost, but I think he was he was uh, made to be like a eunuch, and um, I think uh, so. There's a um, there's a bit of echo there. Um, but when um, he when the eunuch had the sword stabbed through him, and he sort of used that to kill the Tartars, I was just thinking, oh, of course, all the foreigners get killed off in the final battle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was intentional, but both of the Tartar, both of the Tartar brothers were killed off there. Now, do you think they? No, were they? Were they definitely killed? Do you think that's something that I've always wondered when I see this movie? Um, we hmm. definitely know that the three other characters survived because Lit. we see them walking. Um, but we see a bunch of people standing together at the end, and it's not 100% clear who that is. Um, I mean, the, the, the uh, uh, Wu Ming is definitely there, I think. And the Yu children are there. But I think there might be one or two other people that are standing there, and it's not totally certain who they are. Yeah. I don't know. I. Some of the wounds on the Tartars look quite oh, yeah. lethal. Like yeah. especially the one who chopped his head off was like was literally cut through the side. I think his liver is probably never going to function ever again anyway. So if he wasn't going to die, then <laughs> it would be uh, more torturous than death. But, but I don't know. I I I, I, I that's like that that was what stuck out to me in that like final couple of minutes. There was that. The Tartars making their gallant sacrifice uh, so that the uh, mainlanders can achieve their <laughs> goal of well, and killing. what was also interesting is they were supposed to be really formidable because remember they had that contest with the candles in the inn, and and they demonstrate that they're a lot faster than um, than uh, 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 Chu Hui or uh, Zhao Su because they they cut the candles and then they balance them on their sword blades, and. And so I mean they're they're pretty good those guys, uh, so I, I, you know that it took that all of that it took all of them to kill him during an asthma attack, and he was still able to like leap through trees and nearly kill the Yu family, was uh, was uh, you know the unit he definitely had and, and they were kind of making a big deal about it the whole movie they keep talking about obviously the peak of his kung fu so. Um, but yeah, yes. he is always for some reason strangely powerful. Um, it, it's I guess it's all the idea, the idea that the sacrifice of something uh, is balanced out on the gain something else, like the sacrifice of his, I guess his balls in this case, would give him extra power. <laughs> well, I remember I can't remember which movie or book it was in, but there was another unit character who said something to the effect of. I can devote all of my attention to like my professional duties because I'm a eunuch. And so I think that's part of what's going on there because he, he doesn't have the same family uh, concerns that some of the other characters might have. Um, he can devote all of his energy to just mastering the martial arts. And it's, he's probably in a way compensating for whatever he's lost. Like you were, you were suggesting there, like, you know, he's, he's trying to, uh, you know, have some expression of power. Uh, and and uh, but I don't know. What do you think of him as a villain in general? Did he did he work for you guys, or was he sort of you know did he miss the mark? He had clear goals, and he did what he could to accomplish it. But then he sort of let his pride get in the way of things. Like he, if he had sent all of his men to instead finish off the four heroes before searching for the U family, like okay, so there's something about the timing um, and the sort of traveling distance in the movie that I, I, I haven't mentioned yet, but I felt like there was something a bit off and how a large group of men can somehow always cut ahead of a group that had a head start on them. Uh, granted, they were on foot, but at the same time, it was like somehow the villains were always in place to ambush, no matter how much of a head start the, the, he- the heroes had on I, them. I, well, part... They know shortcuts, Kenny. Shortcuts. Well, what I was going to say is, <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on in, like, if there was like a communication network that we didn't see that was enabling that, but I don't know. I have no idea. I think you're probably, I don't think they were particularly concerned about overland distance yeah. in this movie. So they probably hand waved it. 
Yeah. It's just one of those things. Like, it was just strange to me that somehow, you know, that they could go back, report to the unit, come straight back in an ambush somewhere, despite the fact that obviously the heroes are trying to move as fast yeah. as they can away from the threat. So. Well, I will say they did have surprisingly efficient methods of communication. I don't know if they're efficient enough to get around the criticism you're making, which is pretty substantial. But I think uh, they were able to get messages fairly quickly if they had everything positioned correctly. Um, but again, we didn't see that. So there was no evidence of, of that even there. So I, th- I I really just think they didn't. I think like like there were a couple of scenes where I think King who he's. I don't think realism is his... I mean, I think details, definitely, like, you know, when it comes to things like clothing and stuff like that, there's, like, a lot of stuff he pays attention to for details that are plausible and realistic. But I think sometimes he just likes something that looks interesting. And so there's a scene where you have all those guys that sort of suddenly rise up on the rocks uh, early on in one of the fights. And I... Every time I watch that, like it looks awesome, but then when I think about it, I'm like, why? Why are they all standing like that on those rocks? Like, you know, like, like it looks great when the camera opens up and the guys all stand up together, but it's like a really like they must have just been sitting there forever on those rocks, waiting for that moment to to stand up, you know. So, so I think I think it's one of those things where if you think too much about it, it'll 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 kind of come undone. Um, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, okay. So in light of the sort of the, the distance <laughs> issue that I was thinking about there, it's just like, why couldn't he just like okay, had everyone surround the four men, kill them first, and then go search for the survivors of the U family? They they weren't like oh the four heroes he was fighting with on the top of the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like instead of like going, I'll take him on one on one. You take the majority, like ninety percent of the manpower, and go find the U family. Yeah. I don't know. Like I don't know. I, his his tactics were definitely questionable at that point, but I don't know how much uh at that stage in the game he had already kinda lost. Do you know what I mean? They had already kinda yeah. gone directly to him. And uh, but he, again, even then he's still capable of moving through those trees like crazy. And he you know, he he, he almost succeeds. But uh but yeah, I don't know. I I think I think by the time the heroes get to him it's kinda over. Um, yeah, and, and it's also the thing that he hate like so he could have run at any point. He didn't do that when he got injured to the point where he he was forced to run. He ran towards the U family and decided and decided to dedicate every ounce of his remaining strength to try and kill the U family. But to what end? Like it. it, it it's just one of those things where if he was the head of of the the the, the, the Eastern Agency, which is supposed to be like a spy network and in charge of like all these like shady things and intelligence and stuff like that, then he is not a very intelligent person. Oh, so like you said, like why didn't he like back off and regroup and use yeah. his resources? That's a good point. He probably, I mean, because because really, it's not like he's doing this. Isn't an order that's been handed to him. This is his own plot that he's hatched, right? Like he's doing yeah. this to get rid mm-hmm. of a rival. So why does he, he... okay? So I, I can understand why he wants to kill the, the, the yeah. remnants of the U family, but did he have to pay his own life for it? No, that's like... what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying like he did. He he. It's his own project, so he can he can sort of do it at his leisure. He's not like because like I can understand why P. Shao is just doing everything he can because he knows that he's going to get in serious trouble with this eunuch if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't deliver. And and we even see that when he shows up and and the, and he gets reprimanded and and uh, um, and and the eunuch uh, Xiao Qin is like you know you look like you know you're a mess you you know like clean yourself up you look awful you're a weakling he's just like you know he 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 does not tolerate failure but there's nobody that's going to be doing that to to Xiao Qin you know what I mean he's not going to be the eunuch himself is you know he's kind of at the top so it's not really accountable to anyone yeah for, for, for the plot in, in this movie anyway yeah. so it's just i just thought it was a a, a, a bit forced in, in order to have the villain die at the end basically but uh but also you could say it was hubris or ego i think i think yeah. with his character that would have been a plausible explanation of, of why that was happening um but uh but yeah i don't know uh what 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 did you think of the uh of the villain Lady Chao Feng? His look was interesting. Uh, the blonde hair, 
was definitely threw me off. I don't know why, but um, I thought he was very formidable. I don't think that they would have been able to beat him if it had not been for the asthma attack at the end. If he had been strong and healthy, then they probably would have been killed and the you family wiped out. I thought he was a really good villain. Uh, he was ruthless, definitely. That makes a good villain for me, anyway. Yeah, I thought that. Um, I thought that the uh, uh, the formidableness was really conveyed well through the costuming. Do you know what I mean? Like the the way that the way that he stood, the way that he uh, you know sort of carried himself in the costume, and especially when he still had on like all of his regalia, and as that sort of got peeled away over the course of the fight. It felt like he was becoming weaker and weaker as they took off layers of his unit. You know, he had he had like this outer layer of a cape, and they take the cape off first, and then and then his sash gets cut, so he takes off that. He's got like this really gorgeous looking. I don't know what it is, but it's some kind of like dragon robe almost, and and they take that off, and then he's just got like a a wrap robe, uh, and it, it's you know he's like all lean and hunched over, and oh, go ahead. I'd like to think that he got faster as more clothing got revealed. Because <laughs> I think he didn't start teleporting among the trees until like the last layer of clothing was taken off, didn't he? That's true. No, that yeah, maybe, maybe the clothes are weighing <laughs> him down. You know, the um, it's possible. Uh, I think that was desperation. I think that was desperation. Yeah. That was it's sort of an amusing thing. It's like, oh, I had to power up by taking off my weighted clothing. <laughs> But just the way he was standing, and the where he was hold, the way he was holding his arms out, and the way he was holding his sword—I don't know—that's the kind of thing I, I like in movies like this, where they can, with just with like a very simple stance and gesture, you can convey a lot of characterization, and uh, I feel like that's well done here. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I don't know what was some of the uh, we're, we're kind of coming up on the end, but I want to make sure we don't miss anything. That was important. Oh, what did you guys think? There was a brief moment of romance between uh, um, uh, Chu Hui and uh, Shao Su in the in the, when they were in the inn fending off the uh, one of the attacks against the agents. I don't know if you guys caught that, where they were sort of standing by a window together, and she like briefly says his name, and then looks down, and then says his name, and then and then like and that and then like she walks up the stairs and she looks back at him. I think, and then that's like that's the extent of it. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. You were going to say something, Lady Chowfong. Yeah, I caught it. I wish they had explored it a little bit more. Maybe it would have made the movie a little bit more interesting for me. Um, but yeah, I had caught that little bit. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. But it didn't go anywhere, so. I wasn't really sure. So I, I, I saw that bit, and I was thinking, so either this is hinting at seeds of romance, uh or it was her, her her thinking that he was going to sacrifice himself to hold all the troops back um, so that they could escape. And that she was like, I want to stay and fight and type of thing rather than romance. So I, 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 I firmly believe that it's actually the romance thing, but it was, it was the possibility that it was just camaraderie more than anything else. I, th- I Yeah, so I think you could read it either way. And it could be both too. Like it could be the combination of him sacrificing himself and the sort of romantic feelings that she has for him coming together. I tend to think that it was romantic. And I think the interesting thing about it is what I think the scene is saying. And the reason why it's not revisited is they're having romantic feelings, but they just don't have the time to, to sort of get into that. Like they're both, they're both there to save members of the U family. So duty is coming before, uh, before that personal, sort of romantic attachment that they might have formed um and i think i think the the nice thing about the movies at the end when they're walking away uh the three of them you can imagine okay maybe now they'll uh uh they'll have a they'll be able to pursue a romance but um but yeah it's it's, a, it's also a little bit mysterious because you don't really need it's, it's very subtle it's not like it's not at all it's not overly telegraphed so so i thought i say like there's people people in in Wuxia fall in love way too easily they do but <laughs> they, at the same time don't i think in their case like he saved her from poisoning and they 
they're kind of in like the middle of this really dangerous situation together. Like I, I think I can imagine people, even if it's a foolish kind of love, people sort of falling in love with each other in that situation. I, I guess it could be a case of what they call the, sus- the suspension bridge effect, right? It's where the, a, a sense of danger makes enhances your other feelings. Like, well, think about <laughs> it. Time. Like, who who is she going to be able to relate to after that experience? Like, what man could possibly, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, know, you know, be be worthy of her after she after she's had this experience? And him, her, like, you know, like he's not gonna they're, they're not gonna want just like a regular you know, person who hasn't been through that experience, I think. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, but, but again, it's not heavy handed. It's not like they kiss or they have, there's nothing, nothing really comes of it during the rest of the movie. It's just, it's almost like a thought that she has. And, and I don't even know if he shares it or not because he doesn't really indicate anything. So it's, 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 well, it's he, he does look back and like, Looks like he wants, he wants to say something to her, mm-hmm. and then thinking, you know what, I'll save it to after type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I and, guess then, and then there was also the scene where um, when they're about to go confront the eunuch, and she wants to go with them, but he, um, but Shao was the one who, who was adamant that she should stay behind and protect the youth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that implies that to me implies that he, he has some degree of feeling for her as well. Yeah. And and there's also I think the scene when she gets wounded by the eunuch it's a little unclear because you don't actually see what she's looking at. To me, the way that the frames were presented, it looked like she was looking at him after she took that that like like he hits all of them and they all cough up blood. And but she gives him a look that looked like it had a little bit of meaning to it. Um, but I also think I think with Wuxia, the other reason why romance happens so quickly is they kind of have to efficiently make it happen over the court like you know it's like you have like all this fighting and action and so the romance kind of gets folded in with everything else usually so um but though i do think the last movie we saw was a really good example of of a romantic plot line in a wuxia film um the the reign of assassins film that was a i thought that handled a love story in a way that it kind of got its due, but uh, but yeah. So, um, the the other, I guess, I guess uh, the other aspect of the movie we can get into before we close is uh, uh, the juxtaposition between uh, Pi Shao and Shao uh, Su. The uh, you know they both dress very similarly. They both behave very similarly, and they're sort of like perfect opponents of each other. And I kind of feel bad for P. Shao. I feel like, I feel like he just kind of wants this day to be over, and I, you know, like he, he he's a bad guy. But like I, I don't know. I feel like uh, if if things were different, he could have ended up on another. In, in he he could have been fighting alongside the heroes. Um, I mean, we don't know, we don't know how he sort of ended up in the Eastern Agency. Like perhaps he was. Yeah, also transferred there, maybe prior to the Eastern Agency being a corrupt body. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess that's not really possible, given uh, the, the Eastern Agency was established by the Unix in order to be there, be, be their uh, uh, knife in the dark type thing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I can t- really appreciate that. You know, if if he hadn't had joined the agency, he could have been one of the heroes who's out there trying to save people from the corruption of the Unix and uh, and and would have fought on the side of the heroes. And mm. you know, we we see the the, the sort of um, the blue wolf friendship between the between between two of them. Mm. I mean, they're playing chess together in the corner. They're having laughs, and they seem to really understand each other. And they they both appreciate that. Okay, so. We we have different goals and aspirations. We can't, you know, be brothers or whatever. We can't work together on 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 certain things. But while we have this moment, we can cherish what we have. Yep, yep. And I think it's actually um, the Polly Kwan character that kills him, right? It's not, um, it's not Shao uh, Su that kills him, I believe. It's, I think it's in, in conjunction with the two Tatars. Okay, yeah, that sounds yeah. So so I think that's kind of notable. That uh, that he kills the other subordinate. He doesn't kill that subordinate. Um, and uh, and yeah. So um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we've we failed to go over here. 
Uh, I know that there's that they. Well, we're kind of running out of time, so I won't get into that. But uh, Lady Chalfunga, do you have anything that you you wanted to add or? Um, I just wanted to say that um, the footwork is similar because the same choreographer did both movies. Okay, that makes. I think he also did the choreography in um, Touch of Zen as well, which which has he some did. amazing scenes, by the way. Uh, uh, it it just takes some time to get there, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, because it does look a lot like Come Drink with Me, doesn't it? That end scene is yes. fairly similar. Um, there's a lot of similarities, and there's that same sort of rhythmic stuff going on um but it's a longer movie and there's a little there's more spread out pacing um so yeah so we'll we'll maybe get a chance to to see some other king who's down the line and we can compare them uh as i think some of the, the the pacing sort of seems to operate at different rates over the course of his career in my opinion um but uh and i think i think a touch of zen is sort of where it gets the most drawn out in my opinion um but but i don't know we'll see we'll see uh I'll, i don't know if i if i want to uh if if you guys found this one dragging i i'm not sure how well a touch of zen will go down so uh so we'll have to see but uh but we'll be, do we know what movie we're doing next week or is that uh i know we've been keeping better track now of our uh of our of our upcoming films um uh, um it's brave art shows isn't it oh, no. oh are we doing brave art no that's uh, no that's february that's, week, that's the week after sorry no we don't have a movie scheduled for next week yet we didn't pick one. Oh, okay well we'll have a mystery movie next week when we come back we'll have something we'll, we'll have to pick something fast-paced because i don't want to like subject you guys to to more slow-paced film uh if if the, if this if you found this one dragging uh but uh uh but yeah so 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 either way i think you know i really like this movie but i can see why it might not have been everybody's cup of tea um and it's uh it's available on amazon prime but you have to get the right service i think it's um art house or something like that but but to be honest the version they have on there is really terrible i, I was watching it the other day and it, it just looked awful uh, if you want to get a good version of this movie, I recommend getting the Eureka uh, restored DVD and Blu-ray. They are, I think the Blu-ray is Region B, whatever that is. Um, Kenny, is that is that is? Are you in Region B for Blu-rays? Do you know? No idea. Okay, I don't know where. I don't know what region that is, but it's definitely not the region that the U.S. is in. And I had no trouble playing the DVD, but I had more trouble playing the Blu-ray. Um, but it's definitely a great version of the film. And, uh, and yeah, so we'll be back on. Uh, I recommend checking out Dragon Gate Inn. It's, it's, an, it's, it's an older movie. It's 1967. Um, but it's good to sort of see it so that you can see the other Dragon, Dragon Gate movies and get a sense of uh, where they came from. So we will be back on next week. And until then, we will talk to you later. 